Good morning. It's Friday, the 12th of January, and this is Govindraj Ethiraj coming to you from Mumbai, India's financial capital. Our top stories and themes for the day. Indian IT company results come in weak, a non-event, say analysts. The Reserve Bank of India says its position against crypto is unchanged regardless of what other countries might do. More oil supplies balance out pressure on prices from Red Sea tensions. Indian exporters stare at a double whammy this year, including from Red Sea tensions. The commodities could be worst hit. And India's foreign direct investment is falling despite announcements and intentions to the contrary. This is a core report with Govindraj Ethiraj. Markets steady in anticipation of results and inflation data. Indian markets were steady, being the best term I could come up with to describe the Sensex, which was up 63 points to 71,721, with some fluctuations during the day, which is also becoming quite predictable now, similar to the Nifty 50, which closed 29 points up to 21,647. The markets during the day were waiting for the Infosys and TCS results which were largely as expected and more of that in a moment and then signals from the United States in the form of inflation numbers there. The Reliance Industries stock hit a new high of 2722 rupees per share having risen about 5.5% in the past two trading days thanks among other things to a positive re-rating by investment bank Goldman Sachs. Speaking of Goldman Sachs by the way it reclaimed the title of Wall Street's top equities shop from Morgan Stanley having lost it a decade ago. Goldman has not only reclaimed that title but it's also now poised to post its biggest lead over Morgan Stanley in years according to Bloomberg. And now on to inflation in the United States it's accelerated in December as Americans paid more for housing and driving challenging investor bets that the Federal Reserve will cut interest rates soon Bloomberg reported. The consumer price index increased 3.4% in the year through December, the most in 3 months according to government figures, and on an annual basis the figure increased 3.9%. And now our energy segment supported by India Energy Week. Uncle Sam is pumping oil again. Oil dropped in another choppy session after a surprise build up in US crude stockpiles undercut the threat to supplies from recent escalations in the Red Sea, Bloomberg reported. Inventories in the United States unexpectedly swelled by more than a million barrels, the biggest increase since mid-December, leading in turn to prices softening and sentiment on the part of traders turning bearish. Oil had earlier risen after Houthi rebels launched more attacks on merchant vessels passing through the Red Sea, though no injuries or damage were reported. The attacks are continuing incidentally despite an active and armed US-led maritime force in the area which is also attacking back. Demand forecasts and supply from the United States are keeping prices down despite production cuts by the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries and of course the Red Sea tensions. All in all it looks like oil will be steady this year or at least for the immediate near future. Core Reports Energy section was supported by India Energy Week to be held on February 6th. Log on to www.indianergyweek.com for more details. IT industry results a non-event. 
The clear takeaway is not that India's IT sector is slowing down, which it is, and quite expectedly so, given the headwinds in the traditional markets of North America and Europe. The question is, will Indian IT ever see the kind of growth it did in its heady years, including the time when almost all major companies were beating analyst expectations quarter after quarter, giving optimistic guidances and beating those as well? Now, it's of course obvious that as companies mature and become large, the same levels of growth become very difficult, if not impossible. To come to the present, Infosys, India's second largest IT services company after TCS, whose results I will come to, missed quarterly profit estimates on Thursday. Infosys also tightened its full-year revenue forecast on weak demand from clients thanks to economic uncertainty. Consolidated net profit fell around 7% and the Bangalore-headquartered company revised its revenue growth forecast for a third consecutive quarter to between one5 and 2%. India's 245 billion information technology services sector is now fighting to retain and grow business as clients are cutting spending on non-essential projects thanks to inflationary pressures and recession fears, particularly in North America and Europe. Given all of this uncertainty, the only good news for Infosys or for that matter TCS at this point is that attrition is continuing to reduce. In the case of Infosys, it's down to 13% from about 14.5%. TCS has a similar figure, so it would appear that most software engineers are seeing a writing on the wall and hunkering down in their present jobs. Infosys also said it's reached an agreement to acquire a semiconductor design and embedded services provider called InSemi. The core report has argued in the past or wondered why Indian IT companies were not growing more aggressively into the semiconductor space, including into manufacturing, by the way and conceding this field instead to companies with little or no software or hardware technology background experience. Now, this acquisition is a small one, but could be notable going ahead. A senior Infosys official said that with the advent of AI, smart devices, 5G and beyond electric vehicles, the demand for next-generation semiconductor design services integrated with their embedded systems creates unique differentiators. The Mumbai headquartered Tata Consultancy Services reported a 2% higher net profit, around 11,000 crores for the October to December quarter of the current financial year. The interesting thing about the TCS results is that the UK market revenue grew 8.1% even as North America declined 3% as companies there, that's in North America, cut discretionary spending. We'll come back to the UK market in a slightly different form in a short while. TCS's consolidated revenue rose 4% to about 60,000 crores from 58,000 crores in the same quarter. Operating margins are high for both companies in the 25% plus or minus range. And TCS too, like I said, reported a net attrition, which is down, of about 13%. I reached out to Rahul Jain, Vice President at Dolat Capital and also a seasoned IT company analyst. And I began by asking him for the common takeaways from both the results that were out now and his more medium-term prognosis for the industry. If you look at the result, they have certain commonalities, both in terms of revenues, they are kind of in line, or maybe a slight miss. From a profitability point of view, we see both doing slightly better than what we were thinking of. Of course, the profitability improvement has come more because of continuing cost-saving initiative, which is like headcount reduction and those kind of things. But the commentary that we could see, this is adequate for their objective. So I think those kind of cost savings would retain at least for short term. So it's kind of a non-event we could say 
at best we could see that there's at least not deterioration in this quarter versus last four quarters when we saw the results were getting disappointing at least from an estimate versus actual basis so if you were to look a little ahead rahul are you saying that you're not seeing any clear signs of recovery or growth those are very uh, difficult answers because if you look at the yoy trajectories of the business have now come to a very very small single digit near zero kind of a number which clearly says that if the street is building 6-7% kind of a growth for next year it's a big ask to see how uh, that would happen and neither companies have very great clarity in terms of why the growth could rebound very very sharply so it's more hope driven at this point this was a softer year with anticipation of better macro situation in the coming quarters probably the growth revival may happen but to bet on it based on the current things there are more risk on the downside to our estimate than on upside that's what i can say right so obviously growth would come or business comes typically from the banking and financial services or for that matter retail in north america and europe now the larger question is even if there were to be a rebound there are also as we know and we are all following structural changes happening in the composition of business in the composition of the way clients run their businesses with increased use of artificial intelligence and so on how is that looking i mean are these companies fundamentally likely to in the way they're going right now could they grow like the way they used to in the past yeah i mean the right benchmark for these kind of companies has to be aligned to what is the general global it spend growth which on a long chart grows around 3 and 1/2% and we being the lowest cost producer in the world should grow slightly higher through winning market share on a consistent basis so 6 7% is a rightful growth for large tier 1 kind of companies in our view so that kind of a growth on a medium to long term basis is not much of a challenge of course in light of what we are seeing on the bfsi commentary what they are delivering on the bfsi front which is still very weak to say that that would happen for sure in fi 25 of course that's very optimistic to say at this point right so uh, i was seeing that infosys has announced uh, the acquisition of a small semiconductor design company now are these the kind of diversifications you're looking for and is that a way forward or would your expectation be more of the same essentially linear growth along the same kind of it services clients and it services revenue yeah i mean if you look at historically both these companies infosys and tcs have never resorted to doing a larger ticket transaction to augment the growth and for infosys the transactions are generally around adding small capability or presence so this particular transaction also looks like on those line since the size of the transaction is very low the revenue expectation from it or any traction that this can bring to the growth is too early to call out it's more about building capability so yes it's a step in the right direction but it's too small a thing to move the needle at this point right rahul thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me direct tax collections rise 19% it services companies profits and top line might be slowing down but overall tax collections in the country and the state of economy as reflected by those continue to look good 
Net direct tax collection so far this fiscal rose about 19% to 147,000 crore rupees, reaching about 81% of the full year target the income tax department said on Thursday. With this, the gross corporate income tax has grown about 8% and personal income tax has grown about 26%. So do note that personal income tax is up 26%. The government had budgeted to collect a roughly 10% more figure than the previous year in taxes. The Reserve Bank holds out on crypto. Cryptocurrencies can pose significant risks to emerging markets, the Reserve Bank of India chief said on Thursday, pointing out that the central bank's stand on that issue remains unchanged despite a wider acceptance in other countries. Our position, my position and the Reserve Bank's position on cryptocurrencies remain unchanged irrespective of who does what, he said, in a response to a question about the US Securities and Exchange Commission approving the first US-listed exchange-traded funds to track Bitcoin, a move that could obviously help the cryptocurrency industry. For emerging market economies and for advanced economies too, traveling down that path will create huge risks, which will be very difficult to contain going forward, Shakti Kanta Das, the governor of the Reserve Bank of India, said, adding that cryptocurrencies have no underlying value and pose risks for macroeconomic and financial stability, a point that he's made in the past as well. To the government and the governor's credit, they have held this view against mounting cynicism in the early days and then onwards as some of the biggest crypto firms worldwide imploded, including thanks to fraud committed by the founders. On a slightly different note, the governor also said that India's financial institutions must guard against relying on algorithms and artificial intelligence to assess customers for loans. Model-based algorithm lending can lead to a potential crisis, he said, while he was speaking in a speech organized by the Mint newspaper in Mumbai on Thursday. The governor presumably was referring to the many apps that allow people to take loans with barely a swipe on a smartphone screen. And of course, the technology that lies behind them that empowers such quick disposals of mostly small ticket loans, but at a scale has obviously large social and economic consequences. Banks and non-bank finance companies must appraise the robustness of models used for lending, he said, also adding that many of these banks and non-bank finance companies did not have the bandwidth to manage the surge in loans approved by algorithms or through the app-based model that I just referred to. And he said that it was very clear that this kind of growth could not be sustainable going forward if it was not slightly moderated. FDI slows down despite intentions remaining high. Foreign direct investments into India have halved over the last year, but are also shifting from pandemic period sectors to several futuristic sectors like renewables, green hydrogen, artificial intelligence, electric vehicles and semiconductors, a note from HSBC has said. The HSBC note makes the optimistic case that as these new sectors settle and if ease of doing business improves, gross foreign direct investment inflows could double from the 23-24 levels, going back to the peak of about $55 billion a year in a few years. However, India's share in the global pot is also falling and to that extent worrying. Of course, if many of the promises made in the many investment summits in Tamil Nadu last week and Gujarat this week were to materialize, then of course FDI numbers could look up. But most of these announcements usually involve longer gestation greenfield or brownfield investments like Maruti's new 35,000 crore automobile manufacturing plant project in Gujarat. But interestingly, HSBC also says that the weak FDI data is at odds with investment intentions. 
According to both the UNCTAD and CMI, that's the Center for Monitoring Indian Economies, foreign investment intentions data, which are well correlated with each other, are rising. But unlike in the past, HSBC says, higher intentions are not culminating into actual inflows. HSBC says that, for example, digital FDI has been falling in keeping with technology trends world over and cutbacks. This, of course, is all the money that's been going into, let's say, tech startups and so on. But the mystery is the fall in physical FDI, despite, like was mentioned earlier, a sharp rise in investment intentions. FDI into India also tends to be rather concentrated. There are periods of rising FDI in the past, led by a fewer number of sectors, and also periods where investment intentions rose, but the FDI weakened. This could mean that India has well-oiled machinery to attract inflows in select sectors, but not across the board. Speaking about foreign direct investment slowdown, exports are slowing down too. But this time more because of the Red Sea tensions and shipping traffic being diverted around the Cape of Good Hope, adding anywhere between a week to 10 days and huge costs as well. But that's not the only reason, and we'll come to that. A report put out last week said India may see around $30 billion shaved off its total exports in the current financial year as container shipping rates surged, causing exporters to hold back on shipments. The initial assessment conducted by the Research and Information System for Developing Countries, a New Delhi-based think tank, could mean an almost 7% drop in India's exports based on last year's $451 billion total. I reached out to Dr. Ajay Sahai, Director General of the Federation of Indian Export Organizations, and I began by asking him for a status check, his view on the numbers and also which industries were likely more affected at this point. There are two parts to it. If I'm looking into the drop in export by 5 to 6%, going to number of factor and Red Sea factor is one of them. I will go by the report. But if we are expecting that our export, which was happening through Red Sea, will drop by $30 billion, this seems to be on a little higher side. My total exports through the Red Sea in any year is around 110 to $120 billion. So in a quarter, the total export will be around 30 billion. And therefore, when we are assuming that my 90% of the exports is still going through the longer route, I don't expect the figure to fall. The only issue which comes here is that there might be so much drop in export on year-on-year basis. In a particular month, the drop may be there. It may carry out to the next month. For example, if shipping schedule is postponed by two weeks, Probably the exports which were due in the month of January may go into the month of February. So that kind of rolling over is possible. But same will apply to imports also. So for me, the drop in 5 to 6% in overall exports may happen because of number of factor. But on this route, I'm not expecting that much of short term. Now, when you say number of factors, you mean the overall slowdown in global economy, right? I mean, which has been, of course, consistent. Yeah, absolutely. Because inflation is still very high. The purchasing power from that perspective is still a little low and that is affecting the demand. So from the global perspective, definitely that may be the situation. Uh, But uh, I don't think just because of this factor, we will see so much drop. Right. And what kind of industries are affected more? For example, let's say exporters in areas like garments, which are clearly seasonal and have to reach North America or Europe at a certain time so that they can make it to shelves in a few months later. So what's it looking like? 
for me the worst affected segment will be the commodities maybe cereals maybe plastics maybe chemicals because in commodity it will be very difficult to pass on the freight factors so quickly the other segment will be the low value high volume cargo for example wooden furniture that may be the other one perishable may be also one because in perishable we will see the challenge because if the perishable has to now go through a longer route which takes additional 18 to 20 days time it will affect while on the one hand this kind of challenge will affect all segment these are the segment where they will be feeling the pinch much more so far as the governments and others are concerned probably depending on what kind of situation in uh, governments can be airlifted also so for that i am not think that much of challenge uh, depending on what is the cost of the government how much is the air freight that will determine but there are number of product which cannot be layer lifted at all so they will face face much challenges right and i know that you have been having uh, discussions with the government as well uh, obviously this is not something that one government can learn, alone handle but is there any move or any solution in sight no i think uh, government is working diplomatically so that the situation in red sea is brought under control and normal shipping route is restored uh, the other thing which we are working with the government that some of the private insurance company in india they have stopped insurance on this route so we would like to engage with the government so that these companies may be encouraged to restore the insurance so of course looking into the increasing risk premium accordingly may go up but uh, stopping the insurance altogether will be very challenging for the export sector and and you're saying that uh, many of those insurers have stopped insurance right now yeah few of them i'm not saying many of them few of them definitely have stopped giving marine insurance to cargo right right dr sai thank you so much for joining me thank you thank you marks and spencer does well speaking of exports and goods going to international retailers in a sign of overall consumer confidence rising in western markets at least in recent weeks british retailer marks and spencers on thursday reported a better than expected 8% rise in sales over the christmas trading period driven by market leading growth in food and a strong performance in women's wear according to reuters interestingly total uk sales rose 8.5% while international sales fell 6.4% Marks and Spencer said that like for like food sales rose 10% in the 13 weeks to December 30th outperforming the grocery market and ahead of the most optimistic analyst forecasts Reuters said That's it for me for today have a great weekend and see you Monday That was the core report with me Govindraj Athiraj Do stay connected with more of our coverage at the core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter for our exclusive stories, one in-depth feature a day on www.thecore.in. Do also track us on LinkedIn where we usually post synopses or extracts of our top stories and interviews. We would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant including of course India's vibrant manufacturing sector. So write to us at feedback@thecore.in at and thank you once again for listening. <laughs>